Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson-Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today I have with me Samantha King. And if you are an entrepreneur, then you do not want to miss this episode as we are going to be talking about how to niche down in your business and why that is essential uh, for success. Now, Samantha is a niche specialist and business clarity superstar. And she teaches busy fempreneur builders like herself the steps to get on track in their business, identify their niche, and map out opportunities to boost their sales and work with them to implement the systems and processes that you need within your business so that you can work with clients that you truly love. And so I'm excited because this is a topic that's near to dear to my heart. It's a big part of my entrepreneurial journey. And so I'm excited to have Samantha on and make sure you listen to the whole episode because you are just going to have your mind blown. So welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. I'm really excited to be here. And and I love this topic, especially for authors and anybody, because it really is about storytelling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. Actually, Samantha and I met at a networking meeting about a month ago, almost a month Mm -hmm. ago now. Mm -hmm. And immediately her and I felt a connection. We started talking and we realized that we have a lot of same philosophies when it comes to being an entrepreneur and building a business. So I knew that we needed to have Samantha on the show. Now, before we get into all the wonderful expertise she's going to share with us today, though. I do want her to introduce herself. Samantha, and why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and and your story? Yes, I would love to. So, I mean, you talked a little bit about my bio and what I do, but I mean, my story really starts before that. And it starts, if, if I'm being honest, it starts right when I had kids. And I guess my entrepreneur story starts there. And, and it's something I do, I do talk about in the chapter I contributed to the book that we were talking about before, the Live Out Loud books. It really started with my second child and, and my bout with postpartum depression and postpartum mm. anxiety. And I had had postpartum anxiety with my first child four years earlier. And that had, had been the reason, the catalyst I had to leave the teaching field because mm. my anxiety was so, was so crippling. And then I couldn't get into the classroom. And then when I had my... And deal with a bunch of kids on top of that. Gee. Yeah. Who, who are also having, you know, I say my story started at childhood, but these kids had their own stories as well, right? Yes. So when you can't be there for them in the way that they need, it's better to step aside, I feel. Yes. 
And four years later, here I was again. And it was, you know, 10 times worse for whatever reason. I mean, every, every experience in our lives, every, whether it's our, every birth, every, every story that we go through, it, it usually is different. And mm -hmm. this time it was worse different. And I found that, you know, I found myself questioning whether I could go back to corporate or not. And my four-year-old had just been diagnosed with autism on top of the postpartum depression I was having oh. with my newborn. Yeah. So it was a very, a very tumultuous time. And I ultimately decided I couldn't go back to corporate. So mm. as I was trying to figure out, you know, what's next, I founded Empire Builders, which is an online training center for women in business. And again, just that bringing that teaching to it, bringing that experience I have, you know, I had previously been an educator. I had been uh, in telesales and sales and marketing in the corporate world and customer service management in the, in the small business world. I had, it's a running joke in my family that I probably have had a license for very many, many things, right? I've done, <laughs> I've dabbled everywhere. And I brought all that together with the Vampire Builders Training Center, with our courses and to my private clients where I, where I, I do niche strategy with them and give them business clarity, helping them figure out those roadmaps to success. Bringing that all together, it, it just, it was so important for me at that time in my life because if I was going to be away from my kids, it needed to be doing something that really got me excited about life. And working wow. with these women, these female entrepreneurs has been, is just so rewarding in my opinion. I just love it. It, it lights me. It's, I'm on fire, I feel. <laughs> Well, you know, here's the thing when you're, you know, when you're suffering from any form of depression or anxiety or burnout or overwhelm, any of those things, one of the ways that you help to fight it is to do something that you love. Mm -hmm. Right. Give you, you know. that reason, give you that reason to get out of bed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So did you find that starting Femme Builders did help with the postpartum depression or was there other things that you had to do to be able to conquer it? I did visit my doctor and I, and I got medication and that's something I, I tell people you have to do what's right for you. And for me, being on medication was very helpful. Starting Vampire Builders was good too because it got me out of the house. Yes. And it got me out of my own head. One of the things that also really helped me was, you know, just taking, having structure taking one day at a time and, and having structure within each of those days. When I, one of the things that I do talk about when I'm talking to women in business is that for me, it didn't, in my head, you know, that structure, having a time for everything and everything in its place, like that didn't necessarily work for me, especially when I had to, when it was time to go back, like when it was time mm -hmm. to start up Empire Builders and, and go back to work in the sense that now I was working for myself. But People who have been off, whether it's for motherhood or any other reason, understand the back-to-work mentality. Um, so I actually started organizing my life as a business. So mm. every area of my life is a department, and I have goals for each of them, and I'm checking in on them constantly to move it forward, just like you check in on your marketing, you know, yes. your numbers, all that kind of stuff. Because that was really a lot more helpful for me than trying to have like a calendar for my personal life and a calendar for my like my business. And so I think, I think there's a, the, if I had to say the things that really held me back on that journey, it would be those three things, you know, getting out, being more than just mom for the day, even though I do have social anxiety and it was nerve wracking, still getting, just getting out there, even if it was just to have coffee with one person or mm -hmm. heck, go to chapters and, you know, 
browse some business books while I'm there, you know, anything to kind of, that gave me a purpose, a reason. Vampire Builders gave me a purpose or a reason to get out of the house. And then, yeah, really that wake up call with my scheduling and, and I have no problem saying the medication too was very, was very helpful. Well, and, and sometimes you need it too. Like, do I think all depression needs medication? No, but there, I think there are times. And for you too, that was probably also hormonal too. So probably part of that medication helped to balance out your hormones. So you didn't feel like you were like in, mm-hmm. well, they call it postpartum depression, but it was probably like pre-menopause. <laughs> Right. It gets very, you're, you're in a very, it's a very, like my, I say my son was probably about three before I really felt a connection with him, um, Mm -hmm. which wasn't the same with my daughter because it was more anxiety with her, Mm -hmm. but you know, getting to that point. And I mean, medication isn't the only thing we do. We also have like, we, you know, there's always talking to people and, and getting out there. But when you're in the thick of it, when you feel like you're, for me, you know, I almost like, you feel like you want to jump out of a moving car. Or for me, I would stand at the bathroom door, just just waiting for my husband to come out of the bathroom, terrified one of the kids would, would need something, you know, the medication to help you kind of get through that. And, and, and get your mind through that. Cause what happens is our mind starts to go to like all these futuristic possibilities, but mm. our body reacts as if that's happening right this minute. Yeah. Right. And so to get, to be able to calm my body down to, so that I could then stop my mind from, you know, these circles it was really in, that was very important to me and it was very helpful. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that will have been beneficial, especially for a lot of our, our female audience. Mm-hmm. Now, we want to talk today about niching down in your business, and there's several ways to say it, and I know I'm probably saying it the American way, but that's the way I learned it. Mm-hmm. But first of all, talk about that concept, and then we're going to get a little bit deeper into it. I think the, co- the, the idea of niching down is, is really, some people find it counterintuitive because they're like, well, I want to help everybody. I want to help as many people as I can. But Really, it goes back to that added, that age old, you know, if you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. And it's the same thing. If you try to help everybody, you're going to end up helping nobody because people get confused. And it's not that you can't help as many people as you can. It's that you really can't be everything to everybody. No. And and I think for, for women specifically, we need to really step into that and say, yeah, you know what? I can't be everything for, because that's how I, for me anyway, I get to a point of overextended and over overwhelmed. And it's almost like a cycle. I call it a cycle of it where it just keeps happening to me. If I can't step up and say, look, I, I can't be everything to everybody. Right. And so I think that's where, but, but we always feel people feel like, you know, well, then I might leave money on the table or whatever, but I, actually I always, you're losing money. <laughs> right. Because isn't it better to have a hundred die hard fans who are there to support you, to, to love on you, um, to share your message with other people than to have 10,000 lukewarm fans that don't necessarily take action or, or have a lot of invested in you? Yeah. So I would say that it is, right? So less is more. Yeah. And, and people don't realize that. They don't realize that by niching down and actually really focusing in on who is that target market that you can serve best. Any entrepreneur, but especially as women, you know, when we're looking at not only our business, but our family responsibilities on top of it, you do not have time to be working with people 
who really are not going to benefit from what it is that you have to offer. Exactly. You know, and you're going to get to that point where, you know, a lot of us left corporate because it wasn't working for us for whatever reason, but you're going to get to that point where your business is now no longer working with you because you're not working with the people who are lighting you up. You're not working with the people who you truly are here to help and serve. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's where we get to that point where we're like, you know, and, and we get to that point of overwhelmed and overextended. We get to that point, uh, you know, where we almost fall out of love with mm -hmm. our business because we're not, we're not serving the people that we, that we feel one value us and two need us. Well, that's the thing when you're not working with the right people, it just becomes a hassle. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when you've got those wrong people, they, they want to underpay you, they're demanding, they want everything, they want it now, but they don't want to pay you for it, you know, they don't understand why you actually have to charge reasonable money for hard work, because mm -hmm. most of the time it is hard work that you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, it's like sometimes with my clients, they don't realize that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and a whole team of people in my company that work together to put their book. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they don't see the fact that, you know, I've got to pay these people, that there's a lot of quality that goes in there. There's a lot of time that goes in there. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten to the point that I don't work with the clients that try and nickel and dime me down. Mm -hmm. Because for whatever reason, they're not seeing the value and mm -hmm. you're not, and you're not their person. There's right. somebody better out there to suit them, right? It's almost yes. like dating. We yes. had, we had a great time, you know, we went on a couple dates, but there's somebody better out there for you. And it's just, it's not me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think as women, we, we struggle to feel like it's okay to say, you know what, this isn't working. This isn't going to work out because a lot of the time, and this, I, I find, especially if we're talking about value and, and, and charging what we're worth, this really, I work with service-based entrepreneurs. So that's really where I see this. Because when you have a product, it's, I always say they have it a little bit easier than the rest of us um, yes. because they have actual hard costs involved. Yes. Where with service-based businesses, you're paying for what's in my head. You're paying yeah. for what's in between my, like in between my ears. And sometimes that's a little bit harder for people to quantify. But I think for us as women, we, when we find the right people mm -hmm. and we, and we know how to put that sales strategy in place and really build a business around the, the transformational process that our ideal client is going through, then we can actually find people who see the value because we are actually helping them the way we were meant to help people and that, that the way that they need to be helped. And I think that's why when people get so uncomfortable with niching down, I tell them like, there's the right person out there for you. There's the right ideal client out there for you. And they have friends and those people have friends. And it's really about understanding who that niche is. And, and I call it putting on your ideal client hat. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. really getting inside of their head and understanding them so that you can start showing up where they are and, and messaging and your marketing can, can actually, you know, touch the pain points they're feeling and your sales conversations and the way your business runs can all be catered towards them and what yes. they need and meeting them where they're at. Well, that's the thing. When you find those really good cus 
those good customers and clients, they do refer you to other people who are just like them, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing too, is I think sometimes, especially as women, we get this feeling of desperation because we're not bringing in the sales that we want. And Mm -hmm. so we feel like, you know, for the sake of the family, we've got to take on this client that we really don't want to take on for less than what we feel we're worth because we've got to bring in this money. But what happens is, is it just adds a lot more stress into your life. It doesn't solve a problem. It actually creates problems. And sometimes you just have to keep patient. And, you know, you're a sales and marketing person, so you'll understand this concept of sometimes it's better to say no and just keep filling your funnel, filling your funnel, having those conversations, you know, connecting out to people, reaching out to people. You know, you do that a lot. You will find those good clients and they are worth the wait. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, there's there we and I'm not saying to turn away clients who, you know, are 75% your ideal client, but the people yes. who really like, you know, guys, if you've got a love connection or not, right? Yes. But I think it's important and, and people will say, you know, patience, patience and, and is a virtue and all of those things. But it's also when I say business clarity, I'm working with my clients on how to figure out how their business generates leads so yes. that they can start showing up where their ideal client is wearing the hat that they want them to wear. So for example, if you want to talk to Samantha, the mom, getting me at a networking event isn't the right spot because I don't have my mom hat on. So I'm not going to connect in the same way I might have if you ran into me, um, you know, my kids are homeschooled, but if you ran into me at the school, because I'm at the school, I've got my mom hat on. It's very important. And that's why I say it's very important for us to put our ideal client hat on so that we can figure out where they're going to have the hat on that we want them to have. You really have to get into that mindset. And then you have to understand your business and how it generates leads Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and how your clients want to be met and what, what products and services they need along the transformational journey that they're going through that are going to help you. It's, it's really niching down is about more than just saying, I'm going to focus on this market. It's about really embracing that your ideal client, really embracing that market and designing your business and your efforts to match that, to show up for them and to find them so that you are, as you said, cultivating your sales pipeline. Yes. Right. Your leads, your leads are generating, you're moving people through the leads, but you're also moving them through your value ladder. Yes. Right. What's next? What do they need next? Okay, let's get let's get that product ready for them or that service ready. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a very, yeah. it's a very I call it a very methodical way. I'm a very linear thinker, so I'm always you know step one is this, step two is this, and and as a teacher we design with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. So we figure out where we want our client to be or where yes. we want our as as a teacher our student to be, what they need to be able to show us. And then we work backwards to figure out all the things we need to teach them so that they can show us that or for our clients so they can get, so that they can get to the end of that transformational journey with us. Yeah. And it's funny that you said patience is a virtue. As soon as you said that it, it brought me back to my childhood because my sister would have to go for different doctor's appointments and stuff for her severe allergies. And we'd be sitting waiting in waiting rooms and, I'd be bored to tears, you know, and, and my dad would always look at me and say, Kim, patience is a virtue. And finally, I got to the point one day, I mean, I'm four or five years old. I don't even know what virtue is, right? Yeah. I just look at him and I say, I don't want to be virtuous. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> it's this, and I think that is, like, when we're talking about we tend to say yes because we feel this desperation, it really is a mindset piece. It really yes. is, you know, saying that, you know what, I don't need to, I don't want to be virtuous. I want to get results. I want to see yes. the fruit of my labor. Do you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. very... And so sometimes, you know, patience is one thing, but taking what I work with clients on is taking those intentional steps, getting yes. their business set up so that their patience isn't just them sitting around waiting in a waiting room for somebody to get their appointment done yes. with, you know, it's me waiting for the people to come to me and then me having systems and processes in place and messaging in place to move them through and so I can help them and also, you know, have a business that makes money because that's why we're here. Yeah. And I think it's, it's about, it's not a matter about sitting around twilling your thumbs, hoping somebody mm -hmm. comes. It's about taking that targeted action. It's mm -hmm. like planting that seed. You know that if you mm -hmm. plant enough seeds, you give it enough water, you give it enough sun, you have a harvest. Mm -hmm. So in terms of niching down, you know, it's that process of, you know, figuring out who that ideal client mm -hmm. is, then getting in front of that ideal client, then nurturing those relationships. Mm -hmm. And you never know how long, like, you know, some relationships are instant, they're ready, you're ready, boom, bam, it happens. Mm -hmm. Other ones take more time, a little bit more sun, you know, a little bit more water. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, boom, bam, the harvest comes. So it's always about getting in front of those right people and taking the right action and then being patient for the harvest. Right. I always say the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. And that's right. what, when we're talking about patience, that's what we're talking about. We're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, understanding that the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit, but knowing that there's the nurturing, there's the watering, yes. there's the making sure it gets the right sunlight, there's the pulling the weeds out, like making sure that you know that you're going to nurture that seed as it grows and the patience is in, is in, is in trusting the process, is in waiting yes. for that nurturing process to happen. It's not sitting around twiddling your thumb, right? That's Someone's right. got to water the plant and getting it ready to harvest. And understanding that, that it is a process mm -hmm. and that we live in a relationship based economy now. Yes, we do. And especially as a service person, if, you know, you want people to work with you, they've got to know, like, and trust you first, especially in service where the ROI isn't always as visible because it's not a hard physical product, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to create that know, like, and trust factor mm -hmm. to tide you through those beginning stages when people are giving you money and results are not happening yet. Mm -hmm. Because it's a very, they have to be able to trust in you. And that's, you know, as much as we're in a relationship based economy right now, we're also in a storytelling based economy, right? Sharing those stories, being open to those stories, not because, you know, and, and you don't have to share every element of your story and you don't, you don't, we don't need to hear about every single piece, but I do need to know that you're a human being, that you're not faking it until you make it. Mm. and that you are somebody that I can identify with, right? Because if you, you take it back to that dating, to dating or, and it's funny because I married my high school sweetheart. I never really actually did the dating well, <laughs> but friendships, whatever. 
you're going to be attracted to people who you understand. And that's why storytelling is so important because I need to be able to understand you. I need to be able to find common ground with you. And it's the same thing with business. Yes. And your, yes. and with your ideal client, they need to understand that you get what they're going through because even if you're just starting out and you know, you may not, then maybe I'm your first client. If you understand what I'm going through, and you have shown me that you've got expertise in this field and you can help me, I'm going to be less concerned about how many people you've helped so much as, I, yeah, hey, I'm willing, I'm, I need you, you get me, I know, you, I, I know yeah. that we can work together. And sure, I'll be your first client. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. So I've only got a couple of minutes left. So talk a little bit about the chapter that you wrote for the book and what was that process like for you sharing your story in that written form? It really, writing is, is interesting. Writing comes naturally to me, but it is a very interesting piece when you're trying to, to put something together, you want to be vulnerable, but you don't want to overshare, right? Where does TMI yes. come in? Especially because what I was sharing was you know, the chapter that I wrote was called Work-Life Balance, The Holy Grail of Womanhood. So it really talks about my journey with postpartum depression. And I talk about, you know, that standing outside of the bathroom door waiting for my husband to come out and, and all the feelings. But I also dive into how I organize my day. So the yes. vampire, the departments, that kind of stuff that I was talking about. Because I feel like if I am comfortable enough to share my story, I feel like I should. I have a responsibility to. And I do get a lot of women who resonate with it and who will private message me. And, and I know from that that I'm helping people. But it is a very fine balance to figure out, you know, how can I help people and provide value? And I think that's something that, yes. that business owners go through too. Because, you know, 20 years ago, it was don't give away too much stuff. And now it's no, I need to understand you. You don't need to give me all of your secrets, all of your tips and tricks that I'm going to pay you for, but I do need to understand you and you need yes. to show me a little bit of value so that I, so that I can figure out, you know, how you can help me because that's how in my head I'm going to connect. Yes. Right. And so for, I, but I think as a writer, it's hard to figure out what's too much information, what's not necessarily need to know and how to provide value. And I think that's why it's important to work with self-publishing is great if you can figure out how to, to dance those lines. But for me, it, it was hard. And, and that's why working with an editor and a publisher is so helpful because I have somebody outside of the story looking in and helping me figure out, okay, that's not really, yeah, that that's too much information or that's not necessarily key to the story or to the value you want to provide at the end. Yeah, there's, there's two things that being a publishing company that we focus in on. And there's two aspects we see. And we tend to see this first aspect mostly in, especially in people who have been abused, is that sharing way too much of the story, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is when you're, especially when you're dealing with abuse, I mean, your situation was different, but in mm -hmm. abuse situations, sometimes the people who have abused you are still alive. So you do need to be very careful about what you write. And you can still write your story without having to go into all the details and naming names and, you know, a lot of those things, because what you can do is, you know, you briefly mention what happened without a ton of detail but you focus in more on how you felt and how it affected your life. And that's a way that you can write about it in a way that leads to point number two. 
you know, in your story, your story should always be in from victim to victor. Mm-hmm. Your story should never be victim and I'm still a victim. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have everything together in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. No. But when you present it in writing, you have to show that you've gone from point A to point B. You may not be a point Z yet, or Z or Z, whatever way you want to say it. But you have to show that you've made progress and that you're not that victim anymore and you're working your way through. So whether you've already con- conquered it or you are conquering it, that's how you present your story. You never want to present it that you're a victim and you're still the victim. So in your case, mm-hmm. you know, you're not presenting it as, you know, I had postpartum depression. I still have postpartum depression. Life is miserable. And you did it like, okay, I recognized I had a problem and here's the actions I took. And there's probably still some days where I have to battle it, but I took action and now life is better. Yeah. And I think as, as you said, you don't, everything is a chapter and it's a phase. And sometimes you don't realize um, that you're not fully through the last chapter until you're working on, you know, the next one and you're like, oh, there might be some residual something that needs to be dealt with here. But we can't spend our lives looking at the last chapter, right? You can't spend your life looking backwards because you're not going that way. And I think that's something that's important to remember in your storytelling and in your sharing. And, and I think too, like when you talk about people who, who have been in abuse, abuse situations, it's because the only way they've told their stories for years is to people who wanted all the facts and the details, right? And so having somebody who isn't looking at it from a case situation or any of those things and can say, hey, like, let's talk about this. What did you learn? Go deeper than just the facts. Go yes. deeper than, and I think that that's really important when working, when working with an editor. And it's also important when we're thinking about our niche, like we want to go deeper than yes. what's happened to our client or, or how they feel. Even if you're just selling them bookkeeping services, right? Everybody has a money story that's affecting their money mindset, right? So going past what's happened to them to what they're feeling is going to be how you can help them because we are human beings with emotions. Yes. And understanding that process and understanding, you know, those pieces to your client, those deeper pieces than the facts is going to be very important. And it's the same thing when you're writing a book, you need to be able to relate the facts, but you have to go deeper because as a reader, I want to go deeper. I want to know more. Exactly. Right. Well, thank you so much, Samantha. Now tell us a little bit about Femme Builders and how people can get in contact with you. So you can follow me on social media at, it's usually at I am Samantha King on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as LinkedIn. You can, you can connect with me there. Vampire Builders is also, we are on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and we are usually at Vampire Builders, except for Instagram where we're at Vampire underscore Builders. We're an online training center that brings personal and professional development together for women in business. So we're really about showing you the steps, the systems, the processes, giving you the skill sets to build businesses that make money working with clients you love while helping you clear out those blocks. Because even with your money, right, we have money mindset blocks, all of those blocks that may be holding you back. And sometimes I find that I find a new block every time I clear up another block, (laughs) but it's so important to have those two things together. And our training center is really empowering women to work on that stuff 
as well as our course maker membership, which empowers women who want to create their own courses that can then be hosted on our site to help other women. We're really about empowering women and acknowledging that every single woman has something to offer, has some experience or some expertise that the rest of us can benefit from. And we want to give them platforms to do that. That is awesome. So how, how would people become, well, how are women or people become a part of Femme Builders? Where would they go? So go to FemPireBuilders.com to find out about our course maker membership. We also have a free Facebook group. So if you go to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash builders, you can be a part of the Fempire business building community. It's a free group. It's great to get involved and have network with like-minded women, have people to bounce ideas off of. And then of course our courses, which are on our training center, um, are also a great way to to be a part of our community because you will be connecting not only with me and our featured courses and the programs I run, but also through the women, our course makers who have created courses. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Samantha, for being on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. So this has been Samantha King from Fempire Builders and me, Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Have a great day, everyone, and we will see you on the very next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. Just for being here, I'd like to invite you to download your free copy of Power Words, Attract High-Paying Clients and Customers. In this book, I show you how you can easily double your business by using engaging language, that attracts the right client to you and positions you as someone they want to work with. Get your free ebook at www.powerwords.pro forward slash free book. That's www.powerwords.pro forward slash free book. Go there now, and I look forward to seeing you on the very next episode of Author to Authority. Mm-hmm.